0: Hello, my lovelies. I'm Jay Akrenenser and I'm going to be doing a talk today. I have no idea what I'm going to call it or it's more of a kind of freestyling talk, more freestyling, more freestyling than usual. Yes. If you've been watching the weeklies, then you know that I've had uh, not issues exactly. I just didn't, really didn't have, I had too much to talk about. It's the 5th of November today. Remember, remember the 5th of November. You guys know the Guy Fawkes story. Um, so I'm sat here recording this. I have done all of the weeklies for Scorpio season. I'm trying something new. Thank you to everyone that's been patient with me as I kind of get into my new rhythm. One of the things I've been really working on, quick side note, is to be more disciplined with the work that I'm changing up my whole routine. I'm changing up my schedule and this is something that I do plan to do going forward is to get everything done well in advance because I am able to do that. It's actually a bit lazy on my part to wait till I'm in the energy and then it's easier to explain. This is a little bit more challenging to kind of go ahead because it's a story that I'm telling and, but I am capable of doing it and I have done it and I've had amazing readings. Um, You will see them, if you're on Odyssey, then you see them in the upcoming section. You see the upcoming videos. So what am I talking about today? Well, having done all these readings, all these weeklies for Scorpio season, I do have a big picture view now of Scorpio season and I've seen the benefit of this especially with my parting gift as I'm calling it of the road ahead reading which is a look at the next 12 weeks and I have a look at you know people's charts and things if they give me the details and they want me to not as an astrologer but as an intuitive and I can use the language of astrology to convey what I pick up so this idea of what is prediction what is looking ahead what is the big picture view again, with that Dolly Zoom, you know, I've talked about it a lot in previous months, where we are where we are, we are who we are, this is the moment that we're in, but it is connected. You'll hear me mention this a number of places that, you know, the everything has a shadow. And I think in Scorpio season, we can poke holes in just about anything, right? So even that whole notion of mindfulness, you know, let's be mindful, let's be in the moment, which is great, except when we keep doing that without the idea that this moment is connected to other moments. Right. And think about that. I'm all about how what we do is an example of what we do in other areas. So if this moment is disconnected from everything else, I've found that, you know, times that I've done that where I treat this moment as just this moment disconnected from everything else, then I'm also likely to not see myself as connected to other people, not see my behaviour as connected to the collective. And hey, South Node is in Libra, that very Aquarian thing of we are individuals. This moment is this moment, but it is connected to everything else. And, and what we do in this moment will affect what happens next, right? We're building the future. We're creating the future right now and also giving meaning to the past by what we do right now. So I'm a big believer in that. And that's why it's been really interesting to kind of look at the dynamic of the weeklies throughout Scorpio season. I had a lot of fun doing them it was very different to do them in that way I know it may not seem like you're like it looks the same to me it may look the same to you but it was it felt more um exploratory like I was really exploring the message and especially in the one that I just did which is for the week of the 20th to the 26th I did that one yesterday it was weird because all these kind of strange examples kept coming I was thinking why are all these examples coming up and then I realized that it's the thread It's the thread that runs for all of them. What are they examples of? So not to get lost in the literal examples, but what are these examples of? Now I do that anyway. I I read energetically when I do the, the general readings for the collective, but very much so it became very obvious in that weekly that I did. So in a lot of ways, I guess this is kind of like an overview or just things that I have to say about the big picture that I have seen. It may not be your big picture and that's totally cool. The title for this week's weekly is Clear Head, Pure Heart. I love that. I love that phrase. I think I said it a number of times in the reading as well, if I remember. Now, one of the reasons I really love this week's reading um, is because it had my favourite card from uh, Lay Vampires, which is ecstasy. It's this notion of surrendering to something. And when I kind of came across that notion and began to explore it, I'm not going to lie, it was a novel idea for me. It was so not something that I'd ever really considered and definitely not something that I saw as a strength or as powerful you know my whole thing is always like fight the good fight I have Aries as my fourth house Um and I have Chiron in my fourth house as well so there's this notion of you know fight the good fight make it happen fight against stuff and I'm not about that I haven't been about that life for a few good few years now but you can see what if you've set up this notion of fighting the good fight i'm a warrior i'm here to fight things i'm here to be against certain things then the notion of surrender is a massive no no right why would you surrender that's losing so surrendering to something then if you see everything as a fight everything as you know adversarial then the notion of yielding to something surrendering to something giving in to anything right it feels like a weakness It feels like giving up. And that idea and that perspective of mine was greatly challenged when I first began to explore this idea of surrender. Now, in the weekly, I think I gave some kind of like BDSM kind of examples and stuff. But as the the book said for the Oracle card, and as I very much know, that's a very kind of literal way, a very physical way of exploring the idea. But it doesn't have to just be around that. There is great power in surrendering to something. I actually had a vision around this um, which was to do with some kind of weird fight um as in you know an organized fight an MMA kind of fight and maybe I'll write that out and share it at some point but even that the end of it like at first it it looks like some kind of power fantasy but then when you get to the end and you realize that it is by the surrendering of one person in that that the other person loses right it's it wasn't a clear cut. Oh, I win because I'm more powerful and I can beat you down, or anything. The person that had been doing all the beaten down, they actually lose at the end of that vision because the other person surrendered. They just like, oh, okay, I surrender. Now, what I really want to add to that, as I sit here thinking about it, outside of whatever I said in the reading, is that it is Scorpio season, right? And we find ourselves, or in we have an invitation, doesn't mean we do it. I, I know plenty of people that. Do everything in their power to not do this, right? To not explore their own shadow or their darkness. But we are in, we are invited to explore our own shadow. We're invited to surrender to, to what is there. Now, again, if your idea of self awareness or self help or, you know, working on yourself or your spiritual journey has been about defeating your own darkness, then that may sound to you like you're giving in to your darker impulses when i hear phrases like i use my shadow right that's where i've th- that notion comes from weaponizing your shadow where you're capable of being an asshole or you know putting someone in their place or you know whatever you deem as shadow like qualities of anger or aggression you know there's a number of things that people consider their own shadow and so it's, I've heard this said sometimes that you know I use my shadow, which basically is I use those less desirable parts of my personality to as a weapon. I weaponize it and I use it against someone. When I feel like, then that's where the justification and the the righteous indignation comes in, or right, you know, revenge. Even you know, I'm putting someone in their place, or I'm telling them to step back, or I'm defending the weak. Whatever righteous justification we have for that action. And that's one of the challenges, I think, of doing what I do, of talking about these themes, is that we don't see all of these things or these topics in the same way, as I've already said, right? If you are a fighter and you see yourself as a fighter, fighting the good fight, going against evil in the world, then surrender is a no-no, unconscionable. Why would you surrender? You're letting darkness win, is that idea. And that kind of mindset or that way of approaching the world speaks volumes in every statement's an I statement. It speaks volumes of how you see half of your personality, how you see half of who you are, how you see half of your humanness, right? Your your own humanity is you see it as something to be beaten down, to be kept locked in the basement. That's the ultimate shadow work is to realize that is also you. So one of them is that, that, you know, that we surrender to it, which means we give into it. We let it win. We let the evil or the darkness win. And the other part of it is, you know, it can be seen as surrendering to our shadow or surrendering to that dark part of us as license to say and do whatever the fuck we want, right? That no more, um, Mr. or Ms. nice person, right? It's a no- nice guy. None of that. It's like, I'm going you're going to get what you get. You see me be an asshole now. But even in that, right? Are we surrendering? Doesn't that come from frustration or anger or, you know, just feeling like I- I'm done with being nice. But even that I find is a self-judgment. I don't think that's actually surrendering to it. That is, yes, like I said, weaponizing it. But it's not the kind of surrender. It's not bliss, right? It's not the kind of surrender or the ecstasy that the Oracle card talked about in the weekly. This is why I always say it doesn't matter what you do. It's why you do it. It's your, your reasons for doing it. It's your intention for doing it. It's the motivation behind it. And I'll tell you this, by the end of the season, if you follow the path, if you go through the weeklies as I've done them, there is a feeling, there is an emotion, there is a motivation that we can have that doesn't bypass that, but that clarifies, you know, that that we become more aware of, okay, this is why I'm doing it. And it's future oriented, it is future facing, and I'll talk about that more as we get to that weekly, which will be towards the end of Scorpio season. But for this talk, where we are right now, what I really want to kind of highlight is surrender. And we can only truly surrender with a clear head and a pure heart. That's why I gave that name to The Weekly. It puts us in observer mode. It, it's without judgment. We don't recoil at that part of us. But we also are not, you know, excited by it. I know it said ecstasy for that, but it's, it's not like, yes, that, I can be that right? We're not drawn to it and we're not repelled by it. I f- I feel like that is ultimate surrender when it just is. One of my favourite phrases, and I've seen plenty of memes um laughing at Aquarius for this is meant to be the Aquarian motto, apparently, or I never knew, I've been saying it for years, is it is what it is. That is step number one, is it is what it is. That's acceptance. This is how it is. But it's only step number one. Now think about that. If we see what we're doing, we're mindful, we're in this moment, you know, the present is the only point of power, which is true. But the power of the present moment is in its connection to the past and to the future. Without that connection, we don't really make the most of this present moment. If you just view your present moment in isolation, then I would argue you are not making the most of this moment. You are not giving this moment its due. So if This moment is, it is what it is. It's acceptance of this is what is going on. In the blink of an eye, right, faster than we could consciously realise this or understand this. We know that every past action we've taken, not taken, every excuse that we've made, every challenge that we've undertaken, it has led us to this point. And I see that as less of a kind of cerebral understanding of it or a logical, literal understanding and more of a feeling, more of a, you know, and that's very Scorpio, that there are things that we just don't know how to say or to give words to, but we can feel them. We understand them at a very deep level that defies words. So you have this internal roadmap of everything that you've been through that's gotten you here. And it's not like even when we have that awareness that, you know, that's it, it just ends. Because I'm aware of it, it just ends now. There are things in play right now. There are things that even if you make a decision right now, there are certain avenues or certain paths or events, situations that are in motion. So the next week or the next two weeks, they're still going to be playing out, right? We We know that has to play out. Uh, So that's still in the midst of playing out. And yet things that we decide now or do now or take action on or, you know, just get clear on, they will impact the future. It may not be this next week. It may not be the week after that. But we start something in motion. Something begins to shift and move in a certain direction. You've heard me give this example many times, right, of the two cars that, you know, when they're parallel with each other and they're driving side by side, they're going to be going you know all the way 100 miles down the road they're still side by side if they were going at the same pace and exactly lined up in the same direction yet one slight adjustment you just shift one of those cars even an inch right an inch to the right and i don't mean the whole car because then just the distance is just an inch and think about that that's a good example actually i think a lot of times we call it change but we're still parallel with the old life. We can move an inch to the right. We can move a mile to the right. We're still parallel with it. We're still headed in the same direction. So sometimes the shift is more of an angle. So if you move the car an inch as at an angle, so the the front wheels have moved an inch, not the back right the past is the same the back whatever's behind us is still there but we move the way that we're headed just one inch to the right now have those two cars driving and they will head off you may not you may not be able to discern it or see it at the beginning but a hundred miles down the road they will not be parallel they'll be headed in two very different directions and I think when we want to see big changes or you know especially we're focused on the literal the material and we and we should be i'm not saying that we shouldn't you know earth is an element that we are made up of we are made of earth we are physical beings our health our possessions our money our time you know all of these things are physical we have a physical awareness of them yes i'm saying our physical awareness of time is a physical thing um but the change isn't always physical or it can't just be physical or nothing really changes so that's kind of part of, I think, what I've been kind of feeling out around all these energies and the people that I've been talking to is an awareness or an acceptance of what is there. And again, I'm going to say we can only do that with a clear head and a pure heart. And maybe because I did that reading or, you know, this is just a theme that's been coming up and I've been able to see it everywhere where when you speak or when you hear others speak, It's that awareness of they're not sharing about themselves. They're making a comment about someone or something else. That's observer mode. And I'm saying that because going into observer mode is not automatically a great thing. And nothing is automatically a great thing. In tarot, one of the examples I used to give around that was the sun card. That the sun card Especially when you're a newbie reader, right? It's seen as the greatest card and it is, it's wonderful. When the sun shows up, it's amazing. The sun card is an amazing card to get in a reading. Yet too much exposure to the sun, you get sunburned, right? If we just had blazing, I mean, look around the the world where, you know, it's just hot, relentless heat day after day. They have droughts, they have famine, right? All of that comes about. And it's the same in a reading. It's almost then becomes a magnifying glass with the sun coming through it. It's like, what are you setting on fire? And if we, what starts off is clarity with the sun card. What starts starts off as something that we're we're just gonna focus on this. I'm just gonna make this happen. This could be with goal setting or you know a dream that we want to have come true. If we focus on it too much, if that is just the only thing that we are focused on, we're gonna burn it up or we're gonna get burnt out, right? Doing that. And if you think about the fire signs of Aries as the emperor, Leo is strength, yes, but also connected with the sun card. And then you have Sagittarius, which is temperance, which is about balance between all things, moderation in all things. It's not just about focusing on one thing. This is why Sagittarius is called the jack of all trades, right? So we're not just being the observer to nitpick. To say, oh, I like that. I don't like that. I agree with that. I don't agree with that. It's a type of looking at things as a way of surrendering to it, of understanding that this is how it is. And one of the ways real world examples are given around this, and I've seen this shift over the last, since 2020, basically. So, you know, it was very divisive. It's been divisive. You've got these sides of, you know, right, left, blue, red, racist, anti-racist, you know, whatever. You've got these sides that come up. And yeah, you know, as human beings, there is usually a side that we are, drawn to a side that we see as good and we see the other side is bad whether it's overall good or bad or whether it's one thing you know oh yeah I believe in that that's that's something that's important to me this group might be good because they're doing what I believe in and that is a as a result of how we treat ourselves that is a result of the good and the bad within us the bad stuff the habits that we don't want right the things that we don't like to feel and as I saw the chaos and the madness and how everyone just kept arguing with each other and how it was causing more problems, right? And a bigger distraction from actually changing anything, just fighting amongst ourselves. I began to understand that, you know, on some level, it doesn't matter who is right and who is wrong on some things. I'm not going to say for everything, you know, when we're talking overall, my general rule is when we're talking about material, physical reality, and we have science for that, right? When we're talking about material physical reality as in how long is that road right how far is London from Paris there are objective truths we can measure that we can see that so how far is London from Paris yes we can have a precise measurement for that which city is better London or or Paris that is not so clear cut And when we conflate the two and treat the two as the same, and I've seen people argue that, Um, it happened with me and my friend, and that was where I had the realisation, I thought he's doing it from a physical measurement, and I'm doing it from which one do I like? Oh, I love London, I love Paris, you know, whatever. I was doing it from that. Then we're not talking about the same thing, we're not talking about things in the same way. So for me, given that example, the observation is, this is London, this is Paris, some people love Paris, some people love London. And because I'm interested from a human level of human beings showing up as they are, being human, working together to create a world where human beings are the end. They're not the means. They're not a means to an end where the end is an economic system or, you know, where human, they're just worker bees. No, I'm interested in a world where human beings are the end, not a means to an end. Yes, Immanuel Kant has a whole thing on that. So you can go check that out. And that is why a number of Gemini seasons back, I said that everything outside of you is perfect. That's that's the acceptance of it. This is how it is. Yes, you may feel that somebody's argument's stupid. Yes, you may feel these people are destructive and they're destroying the world. Yes, you may look and say, this is cruel. What are they doing? Why are they doing this? But before you can even conceive of a notion or a path forward or who do I work with? Who do I talk to? How do I change this? We have to accept it as truth. We cannot accept that this is the truth. This is how it is. The fact is that X amount of people do believe this. X amount of people do want it to be that way. X amount of people do believe this lie. Whatever it is, that is what we must surrender to. The truth of, but this is how it is. Denying it, trying to beat people over the head with facts, with your own truth, doesn't change a thing. Nor should it. I've seen a number of people that I respect, you know, content creators, if you want to call them that, heterodox community, who started off very much doing that, of of saying, well, this is what people believe, you know, that certain people believe this. They were giving a platform to a number of different views. And by increments, it doesn't happen overnight, it's gotten to the place where they have developed an ideology within what they were doing. And so now they are doing exactly what they denounced in others observer mode is let's get all the facts observer mode is let me just be completely brutally honest with a clear head and a pure heart and I don't think you're able to do this with yourself unless you love yourself that's why we need that self-love to be able to hold space for ourselves and I think the more we can hold space for ourselves the more we hold space for others out there in the world Now, I will add this because I've had a number of people rebel or not like this notion of what I'm saying. It's seen as complacency. It's seen as evil itself, right? You know, to just platform. And I'm not saying do it forever. That's the point, right? In this moment, we're looking at what is truth. It is what it is. What is? What is the current situation within your family, within your heart, within your emotions, how you feel? Not, you know, I should or shouldn't feel this way. I've heard it said that, you know, it's a crime to not speak your truth or to correct someone. And I think that's where the hubris, especially within the spiritual community, and, you know, I include myself in this. I've had to find this within myself. I've had to do the, it is what it is within myself, recognize my own hubris, recognize my own desire to be right, my own desire to hit people over the head with what I see as truth, of what I see as an obvious truth you know, that whole notion of can one person change the world, right? And I've said, yes, I've always said, yes, one person can change the world. Now I will say maybe, maybe one person can change the world. One person can change the world by inspiring others. One person cannot change the world by fighting everyone else. And even if they can, even if one person can change the world by fighting everyone else, that is a tyrant. That is an abuse of power. Our strength lies in working together. Our strength lies in finding what is the same with us. Where is our common ground? Not to ignore our differences, not to ignore the problems that exist. But if we want any hope of achieving anything, changing anything, then that is where we must begin. Now, I'm talking about it out there collectively. Look at that within yourself. And you've heard me talking a lot around the background programming, right? The background programming is what both sides of you, the light and the shadow, that is what they have in common. That is the common ground between your light side and your shadow side. All the good that you do, all the help that you do, all everything that you succeed at, everything that you achieve at, everything that you're proud of about yourself, it is a product of your background programming whether that is to prove to the world that you are a net positive in the world, whether that is to prove to yourself and to everyone else, right, that I'm a good person, I'm a spiritual person, I bring peace into the world because I've been hurt so much, I'm a bomb to others, right? But that still comes from your wound. Whether you would go to embrace a stranger or whether you would go to slap a stranger, right, hopefully you don't go around slapping strangers but anyway just to use it as an example it comes from the same place and I think the key of what stops us running on that the hamster wheel of I need to fix this I need to get rid of this I need to stop doing this right is to recognize that I can do that I can get rid of every bad habit I've ever had you know every worry that I have every difficult emotions I can sit around blissed out all the time the background programming will be alive and well and just we will only be focused on the light and that'll be the sun right that that's the part that we're burning up then we're overcompensating for a part of us that never went away the shadow never goes away so what I would ask you to consider especially as you go into this week and you know where this week leads us next weekend we're headed towards a new moon in Scorpio I may do that in a separate talk I was going to talk about some of that here but I'll talk about that in a separate one In some ways, I think this week, why do we need a clear head? Why do we need a pure heart? Because we're going to the darkest, the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves. There are things that we've had to overcome or at least become more comfortable with to be able to do this. Our perception of what criticism is, right? Of being asked a question is not criticism. Being disagreed with is not a criticism. Not knowing the answer doesn't make you stupid. Now, we see this in our interactions with others. We've just come out of Libra season, right? I would say just um last month, right? We were in Libra season. And those interactions that we have with others or our relationship to food or to money or to seasons of the year, right? Whatever it is, our relationship to these things, they highlight this part, the scorpionic part. What does it say about us? What is the relationship to self? Why you hear me talking so much about background programming is when I had the revelation, it, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't just an epiphany of, oh my God, there's background programming. Um, I had a moment where I was telling someone about something. Okay. I'll tell you the story of how that came about is I, I had, I had this feeling that was coming up from about this year, this time last year, actually. And maybe that feeling had been there for a while, for a few years, but it began to solidify or become more clear, right? Through Scorpio season, through Sag season. And then it was, I think, end of Aquarius season or beginning of Pisces season. And if you guys remember, I, I was kind of a bit weepy and I did that talk end of, right at the end of Aquarius season. I was so moved. Somebody offered me a, you know, that Jordan Peterson, um, self-authoring service and they like, Oh yeah, would you like to, would you like this? And I said, like, Oh yeah, I'll do that. And literally all I did was map out that uh, so I was doing the past authoring, like writing about my past and I wrote about, the events leading up to my birth which is a story I've known my whole life I've known it my whole life but I never saw it as my story and so I had this moment where I thought hang on a second this has always been your mum's story right or my extended my dad's side of the family their story it was never your story and yet subconsciously right you know just unconsciously just sitting there mapping out How do I want to tell the story? You have to give like five, I think, five or six events from your past. That was the one I started with. And the first line I wrote was, it's strange because the first story that I'm telling about my past, I wasn't even alive for it. My mum was pregnant with me and she had been for about three, I think it was, I don't know if it was three to six months, I don't remember. That was the moment where it all came crashing in. It all made sense to me where I thought, oh my God, that your background programming comes from that. And it's been there in plain sight your whole life. And the beauty of when you have a moment like that is you can look back at any moment in your past, any moment, the highs and the lows, the good times and the bad times, and you suddenly realise that story was present in it. Now, since then, it's been about a year now, since then, the key part of that has been, you won't find me trying to do this or do that with myself there's no point right I, I, I've i given up the whole kind of fixing things about myself or changing things about myself and that sounds weird because you're thinking hang on a second you don't change you don't do whatever no I've changed more by not trying to change it's been more organic I've done the whole it is what it is it's been interesting to me so to see the dynamics of you know it's easy to see in your darkness in your shadow where you have problems right and you can attribute it to your childhood trauma i have a firm belief that the and it's not just me you know attachment theory says this as well that where we are really fucked up right and i'll just just use that word where we are really fucked up the core of our programming that's why i call it the background programming there is nothing that you could remember that's going to reveal that to you There is no forgiving your parents for this or doing whatever to that. That is not, that's still a symptom. How you were treated, you know, what your ex did to you, your codependency, everything that we've experienced, right? And I don't mean the literal events. We didn't make those things happen. That's not what I'm saying because of the background programming. But how we processed what those events meant to us, they are all based on background programming, which happened at a time when we couldn't even remember. It's one of the things that I love about Jung over Freud when I was studying Jung and Freud back in university. It was one of the reasons I loved Jung other than the fact that, you know, he was a little bit more weird. Um, Freud was always obsessed with like what happened in your child and all the rest of it. Jung was more, how does it affect you now? What's happening with you right now? How does that story affect you now? How do you feel about that right now? That may not seem like a big difference, but it is a difference. So going back to the topic, I guess, of this video, which is surrender, I guess, it turned into that. Those things that you love about yourself, they're the same. They come from the same place. They spring from the same place as those things that you hate about yourself. Those things that you're proud of about yourself, they come from the same place as the things that you're ashamed of about yourself. Your joy and your shame come from the same place. That is the common ground. That is the discovering that they have this in common. And you, a core part of you, that is the part in common they're both you they both motivate you or you're motivated in the same way by that thing right by whatever it is so I'd urge you this week if you need help with it if you need someone to hold your hand if you want to share with someone else you know how write it in the comments go speak to a friend um speak to your therapist you know take this opportunity trust yourself trust yourself to be brutally honest with yourself and to look at that part of yourself and I say this of I wouldn't go in the street and tell someone to do this right I'm not going to go up to some abuse victim and say this to them I say this to you in this moment knowing that you have been on a similar journey to me knowing that a lot of you have been on that journey with me you've been watching my videos for years right we've done this stuff together You can trust yourself to surrender to whatever the darkness or the intensity is within you, knowing that the only thing that you will find there is yourself. I promise you in next week's message, it puts it in perspective. That's the beauty of having gone forward. Like I kind of know where we're headed and what what is presented to us and the messages that we have to work with. So if you can trust yourself to do this, allow yourself to go into the darkness. If you're afraid to go there, fair enough, Right. You're afraid to go there. Fair enough. Remember last week. So I think it was last week's when we had witness and was it Blackthorn? That was all about that. But even there, when we say like we're going into the shadows of of, of ourselves, I think we're kind of just like circling the kind of mouth of the cave. Uh, We haven't gone fully in. I'm going to end this with a very personal kind of sharing of what I've discovered around doing all of this. And how I feel is that, and I've shared it in some of the weeklies as well, is that, This is not your run-of-the-mill Scorpio season, or it doesn't have to be. It can be. If you want it to be, it can be. But if you're honest with yourself, it feels different. I know, I've spoken to people, it feels different. We have these cycles of death and rebirth. A friend of mine once said, you know, transforming the way that we transform. We're not even transforming the way that we transform now. You know, we have an opportunity now to break out of those cycles of death and rebirth. I've heard that so many times, right? Every kind of um, guru, and I'm talking about the Indian culture here, Those gurus that say, you know, breaking the cycles of death and rebirth. That's what we're here to do as souls. And it always just felt weird, right? And I've heard so many people with their gurus saying, yes, I've cleared all of my past lives. So they've rewritten all their history, right? And I'm not coming back to earth. This is my last life here and stuff. And I'm not putting that down. But it just, I I wasn't able to see it the way that they did or felt the way that, and maybe it was just the people that I spoke to, it was always said in a very kind of egotistical way, somebody was trying to convince me to sign up to their guru so that I could get rid of all my, and it didn't mean anything to me because I don't have that relationship with my past lives or future lives or whatever, I don't see that in that way. In fact, I think one of the longest journeys that I've had is with the idea of reincarnation and what it means for the soul. And I have my own belief system around that now. But I'd say for about 20 years or so, I didn't. And that's from speaking to, you know, Indians that believe in that, reading uh, Brian Wise's books, anyone that knows about him, Dolores Cannon, like reading all of this stuff. And I still wasn't, it, none of it, I wasn't sold on any of it. But I think we do break out of cycles of death and rebirth from a very personal place from a very internal place we take it too literally you hear me say that all the time right we take it too literally we think it does mean that you know me as a soul I'm going to do this you're here to be a human being you're here to be which I'm here to be Jay whatever that means in all my glory and all of the shit stuff that I do as well right I'm here to be a flawed wonderful human being so are you and I see a long cycle of death and rebirth where I've grown so much faced so much. You know, I was sharing this with a friend. Hi, sweetheart. If you listen to this, I know you'll be listening to this. Um, I was sharing this in a voice note with a friend and just saying that on some level, and that's that old, that's that background programming, right? That comes up. It sounds egotistical to say like, who are you? You've broken your cycle of death and rebirth. That doesn't mean there won't be another one, but within this lifetime, I am being reincarnated into something else and so are you. And I think we have to be, right? If we're completely honest, unless we want to keep repeating the same mistakes that we have always made personally in our relationships, you know, collectively, it, unless we want to keep doing that, I think we have to break out of those cycles of death and rebirth. It can't be enough to be the acorn, grow, become the tree. Have our fruit, enjoy it, drop the seed, do it all over again. If all things end, if all things end, and they do, to be reborn again into something new, then this ending must also end. This way of dying and being reborn, it has to end. That too must be transformed. Now I don't say that to put pressure on you to say like, you know, you need to change shit up. And I think if a lot of us are honest, we realize that we do. I say that to hopefully kind of ignite within you this awareness that you've come so far. It's that Queen of Swords, right? It's that Queen of Swords who, she's been broken so many times. And that's why I I quoted this in one of the weeks, I don't remember, I think it was last week's weekly, where I said, you know, damaged people are dangerous. They know they can survive, but that's the world card. And I think the world card... um I don't know if it comes up this week or next week as the central focus, the Saturn energy. That's the world card is that you, there's nothing more to gain from doing it that way. We'd just be repeating it and seeing those major O'Connor's they've been standing out in, in a way that they haven't for a very long time, which tells me this is a turning point, both collectively, personally, whatever, whatever your focus is. Right. And I'm not even trying to say that we should all be collectively minded I think some people will be aware on all levels and that's not as a boost. That's not as a, you're so advanced that you're aware on all levels. No, I don't mean it in that sense. I'm going to put it this way. There are so many schools of thought in the world. There are so many, um, levels in areas of study and knowledge and we have experts in each field and we need experts in each field. They know their subject. They know their topic inside and out, but then you also have polymaths. And they don't know any topic as an expert. They don't know it to the extent that an expert would because that expert has dedicated their life to the study and the learning of that one area. But the polymath can speak the language of all those different areas. They can have a look around and they they understand physics. They understand philosophy. They understand spirituality. They understand all of these different things. Would you say the expert is better than the polymath. Within the context of that topic, yes, they are. But to make connections, to connect one area to another, the polymath is then the better one for that job. So we all play our roles in the same way. You know, some of you are experts in a certain area and that is great. It's fabulous. But then the expert in the field, they know I'm an expert in this field, but it doesn't mean that I know anything about Anything else or anyone else, right? It's the awareness of that being an expert in one field does not make you an expert in all. Just because you're an amazing actor and you can really bring depth and emotion to a character in a movie or a play does not mean that you are politically savvy and that you know what the hell is going on in politics. Just because you are a world renowned neuroscientist does not mean that you have a leg up on social issues and yet we do this it's not them we do this we hold people up that you know just because they know about one area they oh they must know about others it is the polymath it is the one who's aware of everything a little bit And, and then the polymath must know I'm not an expert but I can point you to an expert I can connect you with an expert I can tell you about this person so think of it in that way especially in yourself that you know you might be a relationship expert You might be an expert on on the self, on the inner reality, on how to manage that. Others of you may be experts on working collectively with others. I know how to deal with big groups of people. I know what is happening here. I can see this kind of how they're being hypnotized, how these group mass groups of people are being manipulated. And we need all kinds. Apply that to yourself. There are areas in yourself, there are parts of your life that you are an expert in. But here's the thing when it comes to our inner reality, we cannot just afford to be an expert in one area. We must be able to make those connections. We must be the polymath that has an awareness of the different parts of ourselves and how they are connected. And then I think within that sense, within ourselves, we get to a deeper truth, which is beyond the area that we're an expert in and the connections that we can make, we, we go beyond that to see what our background programming is. And the more of us that can do that within ourselves, I think the more we will break away from experts and polymaths out in the world, we all begin to see that we all have something to say that to move forward, every viewpoint must be included. And there is a way to do that. I believe there. I don't know how it is. I don't know how we would do that, but I do believe that that line that I quote all the time, the Liz Green one, we want to work as a collective without losing the worth of any one individual. Human beings are the end, they are not the means to an end. Now think about that within yourself, think about where within you, there are versions of you, there are parts of you that you treat as a means to an end and that end may be some spiritual goal that you have, that end may be some millionaire fantasy that you have, or some rock star fantasy that you have, right? The parts of yourself that you treat as means to an end. And now I've thrown a lot at you, this has gone way longer than I was intending it to, but I am back, I'm back doing the talks, you're going to start seeing those going up as well in advance I do want to say a massive thank you to every single person that supports me, be that, you know, those wonderful messages that people have been sending me privately, sorry I haven't replied, I'm not able to reply to everyone, especially the amount of time now that I'm spending on recording and getting content up ready, being more disciplined in the way that I upload and how I upload and the topics that I cover. Thank you to those of you that like, share and subscribe, especially the ones that share I want to give you guys a big shout out this week because I'm, I don't have a big social media presence. I, that's one part of my life that I've allowed to slip away. And I'll tell you why, not that I, don't, I have a problem with social media. It's difficult to prioritize platforms that censor. It's difficult to prioritize platforms that encourage kind of bite-sized information I'm kind of more the meal I'm not about the snacks right I I want a good meal give me the information and not judging those that have a great social media presence I think there's a lot of work that can be done amazing work you know people that succinct and they can convey these ideas I'm not one of them and I'm totally good with that. So for those of you that do pick up the Slack where I Slack on social media and you share my content on social media, I very much appreciate you. Please don't, just tag me. If you share any of my stuff, you can tag me. I'd love to kind of even come over and just say thanks that you shared my post. I would love that. Massive thank you to those that donate. I said this somewhere else and I'm gonna say it up. I'll keep saying it. I have no shame. I will keep saying it. I'm a big believer in embodiment. And I've had ideas about economy and the transactional nature of human beings, how we, relationships, how we treat each other. I have very strong beliefs that information and knowledge should not be put behind paywalls. It's not fair. And it's difficult to reconcile that. You know, the world isn't set up where we can just give each other everything for free, right? One of the first bits of advice I got in my 20s from an astrologer who had a reading from me and she loved my reading. and She wanted to pay me extra for the reading. The One of the first bits of advice she gave me is she goes, never give anything for free to anyone. They won't appreciate it. And I remembered that and I've had like a varying relationship with that. But the world, I mean, she's right. I remember her as a Capricorn and I know it was some earth, but the world seems to support what she says right in that you can keep giving stuff for free and people will just take it and they won't appreciate it and stuff I don't believe that especially the longer I've been doing this but anyway I kind of rambled off and got stuck in my own uh, belief systems around this but you guys have picked up the slack those of you that donate to my channel you've helped me as I'm trying to navigate this kind of crossover to you know as communities not all of our communities have access they don't have even an extra buck or two to kind of give towards something they don't have that if you look at some of the stories that people are posting at the moment about their experience with the cost of living crisis so i believe this and i've been saying this for a few years you guys know that and that's why i stopped putting things you know when i used to have um a subscribe store or patreon myself i don't want to put things behind a paywall i just don't want to i want everyone in the community to have access to the same information that is not a message that i want to be a part of that you know you need money to have education you need money to be able to have more content or ideas or love or whatever and i don't know how that will work and i obviously haven't perfected how to do that but i do want to try and so many of you allow me to explore this area and support the the dream that i have of that you know one day as a community, we will do that to each other. We will offer up our gifts to each other and partake of each other's gifts. You know, whatever it is that we have. Those that have money, yeah, finance it for the rest of us. Those that don't, maybe we have platforms. Maybe we have our own people that, you know, we can share other people's ideas with. And I try to do that as much as possible. And this is something, actually, I was planning on saying this. I might as well say it now. If you go on the channels tab on Odyssey... I don't think it's on Rumble. I don't, I haven't done anything like that on Rumble, but on Odyssey, if you go on, on Aquarian Insight and you go on the channels tab, there's other readers on there. So if you're interested, there's two other readers. One's Scorched Earth Tarot and the other is, uh, Hummingbird Spirit Tarot, who's someone from our own community. You can see other readers that I support, especially the ones that are on Odyssey as well that I support. So there you go. Go check out their stuff if you'd like to and you'd like to support. Um, some other readers. Finally, I just want to say thank you. Thank you. This is the longest thank you in the history of Aquarian Insight, so I think. But I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you for just walking this part of the journey with me. I don't take that for granted. People come and go and it's cool. That's how it should be. But you guys are here and I love you and appreciate you for that anyway, now I'm going to stop. I love you guys very much. I will speak to you next time, but that's all for now. Goodbye.